Welcome and thanks so much for joining us. Would you like to turn to Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1? This is the text that we're going to be unpacking today. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father God, we're so grateful to you. We were separated from Christ. We were alienated from the commonwealth of your people and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without you in the world. But in Christ Jesus, you have brought us near through the blood of Christ. We are immensely grateful for this. And we thank you that because you have created us, you know exactly how to speak to us, exactly how to reveal yourself to us. And so we invite you today through the power of your Holy Spirit to enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we would encounter your son, Jesus Christ, and be changed and transformed by him. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Great, let's turn to the start of our text, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. This is God's word. Over the last few months, we've been learning that every human being has suffered a severe dislocation, first and foremost in our relationship with God, and then as a result of that, in our relationships with one another. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, he created a place of belonging for humans. This was what they were created for. It was what they were intended for. And we're told in the Bible that God would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. And I don't think we could have a more beautiful or poignant picture of belonging. Adam and Eve walking with God in the cool of the evening in the Garden of Eden in paradise on earth. We also read in Genesis that Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. 
And this speaks of the fact that they were in complete unity in their relationship. There were no barriers between them. It also speaks of the fact they were completely transparent with one another and they could be completely open and transparent and intimate with one another. Because, for example, Adam didn't need to be concerned that if he revealed something that Eve would reject him or that she would use it against him. And Eve didn't need to be concerned because she wasn't holding anything back. She wasn't hiding any secrets from Adam. And so they had found that place of complete belonging. And the greatest tragedy in the human story is that we lost that place of belonging when Adam and Eve and then the rest of us in subsequent generations um, rebelled against God and turned our backs on Him. We lost it. And so the rest of the Bible is the story and the account of how God is restoring human beings to their place of belonging, making it possible for people to find their belonging in Christ. And this, of course, has been explained to us very effectively and concisely in the latter part of Ephesians chapter 2 by Paul. He says that we find our place of belonging in Christ. And um, when we are in Christ, then we belong. And the way that we get there, the way that we find our place of belonging is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Now, there is a principle at play in the Bible, and we see it throughout the Bible. Namely, that when God brings somebody or a people into a place of intimacy with Him, He then goes on to send them out. God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. He, in a sense, not only blesses us, but He enriches us so that we can make other people rich. And the book of Ephesians is no exception to this general rule because Paul starts to teach us how we can respond to the fact that we now belong. And he uses his own life and his own particular situation as an example of that. And so as we turn to today's passage, we're going to be answering the question, now that I belong, how should I respond? Now that I belong, how should I respond? Have a look at verse 1 and 2. Paul writes, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard, and here's the important part, of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Can you see that principle? To me for you, being brought in so that we can go out. The way we respond to belonging is that we become stewards. What is a steward? Well, suppose, for example, uh, I've been isolated in the UK because of this COVID pandemic story, and I'm not able to get back to Zimbabwe. And in Zimbabwe, I have business interests, I have resources, I have property which I own. A steward is somebody that I would um, appoint to be responsible for the management of my business interests, of my property, of my resources. I would give him responsibility, but not only responsibility, but authority to act in the way that I would act, to do the things that I would do, to represent me in Zimbabwe 
whilst I'm in the UK. And of course, the steward would do it in accordance with my plans and my purposes. And as Christians, we are appointed by God as his stewards on earth. We have responsibility, we have authority to use his resources on his behalf to the ends that he would want them to be used. And of course, the ultimate end towards which everything is moving is the glorification of God. We want God to be shown in an excellent light. We want to make him famous. We want to reveal on earth his superlative attributes. So now that we've defined stewardship, which is our response to belonging, let's learn from Paul what we steward, how we steward, and why we steward. What we steward, how we steward, and why we steward. Number one, what we steward. Paul writes there in verse two, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Can you see that Paul was a steward of God's grace? But what does he have in mind when he uses that word grace? What does that word grace represent for Paul? We find it in the next verse. How the mystery was made known by revelation. The grace that Paul was to steward was a mystery. Not something that could never be known, but something that could only be known by revelation, either by God revealing it directly to a person or revealing it to his apostles and prophets so that they could in turn reveal it to other people. But what was this mystery? Well, he says that he's written about it briefly. And most of the commentators believe that he's referring to the latter part of chapter 2, verses 11 to 21. And fortunately, he's also summarized it for us in verse 6. This mystery, here it is, is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So the grace that was given to Paul, to steward, was the revelation of the mystery that everybody can belong, if only they will accept the gift of belonging through faith in Jesus Christ. That is what Paul was stewarding, the news that a place of belonging has been restored for humans, so that they can be in right relationship with God and in right relationship with one another. Folks, this is what we steward. This is the pearl of great price. This is the treasure that surpasses all other treasures. It's the treasure that has been given to us to pass on to other people so that they can enjoy a place of belonging as well, so that their dislocation can be healed, so that they can be restored as human beings. So the message that we steward is the message that God has restored a place of belonging for humans. But how do we steward this revelation? We come now to point number two, the how question. How do we steward? Notice that belonging in Christ Jesus is restored through the gospel. Verse six, this is the mystery. Then he tells us what it is. 
And then he says, through the gospel. It is achieved through the gospel. So the way we steward is we become servants of the gospel message. And Paul reiterates this in verse 7. He says, of this gospel, I was made a minister. Now, some translations will say a servant. And I think that's a more helpful translation of the original Greek word. Because when we hear the word minister, we attach to it a modern meaning of the word minister, which is that it's a professional person, somebody who's been to Bible study, uh, Bible college, I beg your pardon, somebody who stands up and preaches regularly. This is not the case. This is not what Paul had in mind. He's talking here, the Greek word is diakonos. He's talking here about a servant, even in some contexts, a slave. We are servants of the gospel and everybody can serve the gospel message. And then Paul goes on to describe very concisely how we serve the gospel message. We do it in three ways. By grace, with God's power, and by preaching and illuminating. Let me explain, tell you what I mean. First of all, by grace. In verse 7, he says, Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. It was the gift of God's grace, let's get this, that gave Paul a sense of belonging. Not only a sense of belonging, but the reality of belonging. And if we want to serve the gospel by grace rather than by any other means, we must belong. Why? Why must we belong in order to serve by grace? Well, when we belong, the motivation for serving is love. If I know that I already have found a place of belonging in Christ Jesus, this sets me free to serve for love. I'm not serving in order to find a place of belonging, by proving that I am a person of worth or value or proving I'm lovable because I already have that. The sad thing is that some people don't have it. And the even sadder thing is that some people do have it by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, but they're not as aware of it as they should be. And so they're still striving, they're still working, and the motivation for everything that they do is wrong. It's not a grace motivation, it's a works motivation. Yes, we have been saved for works, but we haven't been saved by works. And so now that I know that I belong, I can serve in a gracious way. I can serve in a loving way. And of course, that's the only way that counts. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am nothing. Nothing. If I do things for the wrong motivation, if I'm not being motivated by love, then they don't count in God's economy. They don't count in the kingdom of God because they're not gracious. They're not reflecting this God who is so incredibly gracious to us. We serve the gospel by grace. The other thing that happens when we belong is that we serve with boldness. And this is a great thing for us as Zimbabweans. Our place of belonging is in Christ, right? 
So verse 12 tells us that in Christ we have boldness. Remember that Paul is setting himself up as an example. Well, let's just consider for a moment the boldness that he is showing. He mentions, I think it's only once in the entire letter, that he is in prison, that he is in a place of suffering. But he has been given boldness because he belongs to, to place that suffering in its right context. He doesn't harp on about it. It's not the thing that's filling the screen of his life. No, what's filling the screen of his life is the fact that he is a servant of the gospel. He is full of boldness. There is a boldness that comes from knowing that you belong, which will equip you to cope with some of the real challenges and problems of life. Paul was able to make little of his imprisonment, seeing it as a worthwhile price to pay for being a servant of the gospel. For Paul, imprisonment was like a badge of honor, something that he could exult in, something that he could rejoice in. And he encouraged the Ephesians who, to view his suffering in exactly the same light. Look at verse 13. He says, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. In other words, say to one another, isn't it amazing? God has brought us into this place of belonging. It's such a precious place of belonging that Paul was prepared to go to prison for our sake. Let's not lose heart over that. Let's rejoice in it because we know that we found this place of belonging, which is going to, we're going to be um, established in it for the rest of eternity. So I ask you not to lose heart. Do you know that to lose heart is the opposite of boldness, the boldness that we receive from belonging, from being in Christ. Since you belong, I get this, since you belong, you can launch a bold assault on any barrier that Satan throws across the course laid out for you by God. Any barrier. It doesn't matter what it is. Maybe you're just saying to yourself, and I'm starting to lose heart because I'm trying to teach my children and hold down a job. I'm losing heart. Or maybe you're saying, I never signed up for this cancer that I've got. I didn't sign up for that. I'm starting to lose heart. My family is starting to lose heart. Don't lose heart. We can access boldness because we are in the presence of God, because we are in that place of belonging. So remember that we're answering the question why um, I must belong in order to serve by grace. We belong because we'll have the right motivation. Then we'll be serving by grace. And when we belong, we'll have boldness. And then thirdly, when we belong, we have access with confidence. In other words, you can be confident about accessing God's resources. Remember, we're serving by grace. That could stand for grace, God's resources at Christ's expense. He provides us with everything that we need for life and godliness. You are in Christ, in the presence of God. But folks, this is not um, a position of timidity. This is not a case of 
be seen but not heard. By no means. You can confidently ask God for everything that you need as his steward managing his affairs in life. Yes, grace puts us in Christ in the beginning, but the grace doesn't end there. No, no, this is a glorious storehouse of grace. We need God's grace every day as servants of the gospel, and we can ask for it because we have access with confidence through our faith in him. So servants of the gospel serve by grace, and that gives us the right motivation. It gives us boldness, and it gives us confidence that God will supply all of our needs. I wonder how that changes your perspective on the week ahead. Maybe you're a parent at home trying to teach your children at home. Maybe you're trying to hold down or manage a business at the same time. This means that you can turn to God and say, God, I'm not going to lose heart over this. I'm not going to lose heart, but you need to help me not to lose heart. You need to help me in this by providing me with your grace. Your grace is sufficient for me. You can provide me with patience. You can provide me with long suffering, which I think is often the case when we're trying to teach children at home. Maybe you've got cancer at the moment and you're facing a long bout of chemotherapy and you're saying to yourself, well, God has it would seem that in this season of life, God has called me to suffer for a time. Oh, but God, if I'm going to suffer for your glory, if I'm going to suffer as a steward, then you're going to need to supply me with your attributes. You're going to need to supply me with boldness and courage and patience and love so that I can love my family members when I'm not feeling well. And then in the process, I will be shining a light on your superlative attributes. But there's more. We also serve with power. We serve the gospel by grace. We serve the gospel with power. Paul writes in verse 7, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power to me. Though I am the very least of all the saints, this race was given. Let's think of this for a moment. God has got this universal cosmic plan, which he told us about in Ephesians chapter 1, to unite all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. Now, he hasn't chosen to implement that plan entirely by himself. He has chosen to appoint us as stewards to help him implement that plan. And you might be saying to yourself today, well, who on earth is equal to that task? Is it, is it possible? I mean, just think of it. I'm a, I'm a businessman trying to keep my head above water, running my business. I'm a parent trying to teach my children. I'm suffering with cancer, or maybe I've only just recently come to the Lord. I've made a whole lot of mistakes in my life. And over the course of my life, I've built up so much baggage, which, yes, God is helping me to, to work through it, but could he really be using me as his steward to take responsibility for his resources and to ensure 
that other people are going to make it into that place of belonging? Who am I? And you know, Paul felt exactly the same. Do you realize that Paul was serving God by murdering, torturing, and imprisoning Christians? This is the last person that you would expect God to appoint as a steward of his resources. That's why Paul says, I'm the very least of all the saints. You cannot believe what I've done in the name of God. Yes, I was mistaken, but look what I've done. And yet, even though he is the very least of all the saints, God has chosen to work through him powerfully. And it's the same for us. We serve from a place of personal weakness with God's power and not ours. Those who rely on their own strength are disqualified from serving the gospel because then they would not be serving by grace. But those who rely on God's power are fully qualified servants of the gospel. God's strength is perfected in your weakness. You can do a strength audit of your life and Balance up all the different things that are going on in your life and say, I'm in a place of weakness. Therefore, I can't be a good steward of God. No, that's entirely wrong. Because you are in a place of weakness, that's when you can be the best possible steward for God. So, we serve, number one, by grace. We serve, number two, with power. And then we serve by preaching and illuminating. Have a look at verse 3. He writes, uh, I beg your pardon, verse 8. He writes, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Preaching illuminating. Someone says, but Ian, my friend, <laughs> I'm not a preacher. I'm not an apostle. I'm not a full-time minister like you are. Therefore, this doesn't apply to me. Now, remember that Paul is using himself as an example of the correct response to belonging. But this doesn't mean that we all have to be mini clones of Paul or Ian Ray, or Craig Roberts. That would be absurd. Paul was God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared in advance for Paul to do. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. And as you do the work God has prepared for you, by grace, and with power, don't you think that that will announce to the people around you the unsearchable riches of Christ? It doesn't matter whether you're homeschooling or setting up coffee for a Sunday service or caring for an elderly parent or serving a company perhaps with your leadership skills or fixing plumbing or giving to support the work of harvest. All of these things are revealing the unsearchable riches of Christ. St. Francis, Francis of Assisi once said, Preach the gospel 
on all occasions. When necessary, use words. Those unsearchable riches of Christ are hidden until they are manifested in your life and in my life as love and forgiveness and patience and kindness and long-suffering and mercy and all of the wonderful attributes of Christ. In fact, your life is the only sermon about the unsearchable riches of Christ that many folk will get the opportunity to read. Your life is a sermon. And just like Paul, we are to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. He did it in his generation and we must do it in our generation the way God has created us to do it. We're all different, thank God. What is the plan of the mystery? It is that God will unite all things in heaven and on earth in Christ, that all things may find their place of belonging, their place of order in Christ. Folks, there's a sense in which our lives need to be like floodlights that illuminate belongingness. Can you see in verse 9 that this happens through the church? When we, as harvest, live out the belonging that we have in Christ as a body, we're bringing to light for everyone the plan of the mystery. Now, of course, it is necessary to serve the gospel by preaching with words. But that isn't the only way. And we are called to preach the world, the word, albeit in different ways and to different extents. Maybe the way God will call you to do it from time to time is just to share with somebody, to share a testimony, to talk about your relationship with God, to talk about how much He means to you, about how wonderful it is to have found this place of belonging where your relationship with God is no longer dislocated, where your relationship with other people, your wife, your children, is no longer dislocated. Yes, you will do that from time to time. There's some people who, who might be called to lead a Bible study. Maybe that's the way you are going to be preaching. There are many different levels. Some of you will be in a pulpit. I'll be doing it here in Harare for people who live in the city. Trevor Loudonstool is doing it out in the rural areas for, for those who haven't heard out there. We all do it in many different ways. So we respond to belonging by becoming stewards. What do we steward? We steward the good news that all may find a place of belonging through the gospel. How do we steward this good news? We do it by becoming servants of the gospel message and we serve by grace, with God's power and by preaching and illuminating. Preach the gospel on all occasions, when necessary, use words. But why do we steward the message of belonging? Now this is a little bit curious. You'd have thought that working for God as his steward to bring people into a place of belonging would be enough of a reason why. Enough of a motivation to steward. After all, we're going to bring people into a place of healing. 
their relationship with God is dislocated, their relationship with other people is dislocated, and that's going to be resolved in Christ. But remember, we learned in Ephesians chapter 1, that God's plan is to unite all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. What we do is not only about earth. We steward, verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Now, I'm not even too sure who these rulers and authorities are. There's a lot of debate going backwards and forwards between the commentators. Some say it's angels. Some say it's demons, fallen angels. I'm not too sure. I'm not even too sure why they lack knowledge of the manifold wisdom of God, but they do. And I'm not even quite sure what Paul is getting at exactly here. But isn't this big enough? Isn't this cosmic enough? Isn't this infinite enough to answer the why question for us? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places and everybody else. There is a lot hanging on my stewardship. There's a lot hanging on our stewardship as a church, because remember, we as a church have been appointed as stewards. And if you're willing, God will enable you. And if we're willing, God will enable us to do a good job. Now that we belong, let's respond. Shall we pray? Father God, as your body of believers here in Harare, we want to respond in a fitting way to the fact that we now belong. Please enable us in the week ahead to be good stewards of this mystery that all can find a place of belonging in Christ. Help us to be good servants of the gospel. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us. It's really been good to spend time together in God's Word. And I hope that you have a blessed week. I pray that God blesses you so that you can be a blessing to others. Goodbye for now.